Welcome back everybody, SF Live episode number 79, for me it's still Wednesday, it's uh, September 16th, for my guest it's already the next day, it's already Thursday morning, early morning in Australia right now, I'll be joined in a few seconds by Paul Roberts, he's the managing director of Predictive Discoveries, we'll be chatting with him about the recent discoveries on their projects in Guinea, but before we get started, please be reminded to use hashtag AskPDI for your questions during our live conversation, also make sure to follow us here on Twitter, but also on YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, and especially turn on the notification button and uh, hit the like hit the like button as well or leave a comment as well on youtube so that way we know that uh, you've been watching and also we can take your criticism your comments into consideration for any further updates now it is my pleasure to introduce mr paul roberts uh paul thanks for joining us this morning this afternoon uh, uh how are you doing how are things well, no, it's great Tom. to have you on. It's a it's a bit of an ASX special. Like we don't have too many uh, ASX companies on. I'm based in Vancouver, so time zone is always a bit of a uh, of an issue. Uh, it's close to seven o'clock, or it's seven o'clock where you are, and it's four p.m. here in the afternoon. So it's always difficult to connect. Uh, but I appreciate you making the time early this morning. So we, we got lots to talk about. Great. Um, let's dive right in. You're a managing director of Predictive Discovery, a company I wasn't too well aware of recently. And uh, one of my team members brought it to our attention that we should have a chat um, based on future experience in in West Africa. And uh, why don't you give our listeners, and we're dominantly actually North American and Europe-based uh, listeners right now, uh, and just a 60-second overview of the company. Right. Predictive is a, a Greenfields Explorer, so we're, we're a gold explorer. We have operated um, for a while, which is why we have a large um, portfolio of tenements as a prospect generator, uh, but we're now very much a single project focused company. Um, and uh, we've been in the business of finding new deposits in places that they weren't rec recognised before. We have a track rec record of doing that. Uh, initially in Burkina Faso, then in Cote d'Ivoire, we worked in Mali for a bit, and, and we've been uh, in Guinea for about uh, 20 months or so. So, yeah, quite new in Guinea, um, and we've moved very fast in Guinea and advanced. Uh, we made a discovery and advanced it very yeah, rapidly. You've been super active. You've been drilling. Uh, I'm just doing the math in my head. A little over almost 30,000 meters of drilling various uh, categories here, auger drilling, diamond drilling, air core drilling on the project. So, uh, you've done quite a bit in comparison to maybe other companies that are exploring out there. Um, but run us through the change in business model first, like uh, prospect generator first. You still have you still hold a lot of licenses and permits in the area. Run us through your holding costs there, and also like what made you transition more into an explorer. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we we morphed into being a prospect generator probably around 2015. Uh, and re the reason for that is that in Australia, as in Canada, the, the market became very weak uh, from mid-2012 mid onwards. Um, and we, we uh, had always been a Greenfields explorer. We always understood that you need multiple projects to have a good chance of success. Uh, this gave an opportunity for us to have multiple projects. And obviously, uh, as a project generator uh, or prospect generator, you have partners. So we, we took on partners. What we found in Australia, and and for a while, um, the spot, uh, one of the rule funds was backing us. So we're very much in that prospect generator mode. But what we found was there was interest in North America. There was essentially none in Australia. We had to go back to, to a single project focus. When the market started to warm up, and we're talking about maybe 2016, uh, we started uh, looking further afield. We had a look in Mali, and by the time we got to late 2018, it brought us to Guinea. Um, so that's 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 kind of the history uh, that brought us there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, well, 
The other thing was that when we went to Guinea, and indeed when we went to Mali, we said to our shareholders, this would be an area which we'd ring fence 100%. Um, so, so because we could see that we wouldn't get traction unless we did. And so that's what happened. And then, of course, um, uh, but it was all predicated on having significant success. Unfortunately for us, uh, in Guinea, on, on the first prospect we drilled, uh, we found a, a really interesting gold deposit. And, of course, that, that immediately focuses our mind uh, towards this. There is, you know, when you, when you have 100% of something, when you're onto something, when it's going fast, when continuity is good, when you have all of the positives that we see at Bankam, it really makes no sense uh, to bring in a partner. All you're doing is diluting your shareholders unnecessarily. So we're yeah, not no, doing fantastic. that. fantastic. And you, you might want to leave 100% of that value in your portfolio. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you, you got 26 permits I mentioned. Like, what are the holding costs for you? And like, it's not that easy to get rid of all your projects uh, once you make that decision at the same time. So um, what are the carrying costs for you there? Well, the carrying costs are, are relatively limited, uh, you know, in terms of rentals and so on. Uh, in the other countries in Burkina Faso and and in uh, Cote d'Ivoire. I mean, currently we are we are not the operator on any of that ground. Um, in in uh, in Burkina Faso, there, there would be some rental costs to, to which, for which we're liable. We have forty nine percent interest in that. But the project is on care and maintenance, and so in terms of doing uh, additional exploration, that's not part of our plan nor our joint venture partners' plan. And um, we are indeed looking for a disposal. So. So um, present limited cost for the future, we're going to find um, a way for somebody else to take over control of that. In Cote d'Ivoire, um, our large joint venture is Resolute. They're the operator. We can, every six months, we have the choice of contributing or diluting. We are um, contributing, or certainly we're contributing up until the end of June. We, no decision has been made for various reasons for the current six-month period. Um, and and the amount of money that we we had to contribute at twenty three and a half percent for the last six month period is about two hundred thousand US dollars. So not too great um, in terms of uh, other projects there. Um, we're okay. carried. So um, so 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 that just brings us back to Guinea. Uh, and in in Guinea, we uh, you know the rental costs are, are negligible. It's really it really that you do make commitments to to spend money. We have no difficulty meeting those commitments on the projects on which we're most active, which is uh, Kininko, Saman. Um, and I will say that, um, that you know, more ground is coming in that, in that area and there'll be news on that very, very soon. Um, uh, and, and so um, on, on those properties, Yes, there are some rents there, there but there, we're talking about thousands of dollars a year. I mean, okay. it's not trivial. It's really the important thing is to spend the money that government requires. But we're, we're actually very clear-headed about this. If we've got projects, they're not um, turning up the goods, then we hand them back to the government, and therefore we don't have any commitment to them. So, um, you know, I think that we can keep our, our costs in terms of area holding costs, they're very much under control uh, in the portfolio. Thank you for testing. Since we're on the topic of costs, financials as well, um, what's your current GNA in that regard? Like, in how much cash are you sitting on? Um, well, the, the last published figure was eight point six million at the end of June, and we generally don't don't uh, go out and make official pronouncements between the quarterly reports. But we're we're sitting in the range of six to six and a half million. Yeah, Aussie. okay. Aussie. And uh, your your GNA, like without with, without drilled budgets, of course. Like you you mentioned, you'll be or you mentioned publicly somewhere that you'll be drilling uh, in roughly five weeks' time again. Um, you're you're done mid September. I, I caught that in a press release earlier. Uh, you're on a month hiatus right now, and you'll be drilling again soon. So, what what are the budgets look like for the rest of the year? 
So the drilling program uh, to take us through from from now until Christmas is of the order of $2 million, you know, if you, you capture all the other costs, something yeah, like that. That makes sense. Okay, so you, you'd be ending the year roughly with maybe $3 million in the bank, and you're an exploration company, so that, that should carry you even a little further into the new year uh, by my calculations. So you should be doing fine. Perfect. All right, we've got that covered. Um, I want to talk quickly about cap structure. We mentioned uh, top two holders own 16%. Like, how much does management own in the company? Are you one of the founders? When did you join? Uh, no, I am the founder uh, to the extent that anyone's a founder. Um, so I've been there from the beginning. Um, management and board don't have as much equity as we'd all like, um, and that's obviously because we've done lots of capital raisings, and, and I personally haven't been able to, to keep up. But uh, between us, we have been over 1% of gotcha. the company. Okay. And uh, one thing yeah. I noticed as well, like we, we don't have to talk about share structure with Australian companies, $824 million, unfair comparison to North America, where even 80 million shares is a lot outstanding sometimes. Uh, but you got 86 million options outstanding, and I want to drill a little deeper on those. Uh, they're at 1.8 cents. You're trading over 7 cents right now, 7.4, if I'm not mistaken. So... Um, are you seeing those exercises? Are they coming in? It's only $1.5 million, but still 86 million shares is a lot of shares to digest if they were to be uh, ex exercised. Right. Well, um, there's a couple of things, important things about this. Firstly, some have been exercised, and they were exercised right at the very beginning when we had that jump up from 0.6% to $0.07. Cents. Um, so some people just exercised immediately. I exercised so I could have more shares, for example. Um We've seen very, very few redemptions since then, and the reason for that is twofold. Firstly, they don't expire until December 2022, and secondly, they're listed, which means that if people want to make money out of their options, they sell them. So there's an active market in the options, um, and so I don't see uh, exercising happening uh, very soon. By the time we get into 2022, yes, I'll see. We'll probably see a run, but there's no incentive, particularly for people to exercise. We're not seeing very no, much that exercise, makes sense. especially since they're traded. There's a way to liquidate without having to exercise. So that makes a lot of sense. Gotcha. All right, let's, let's dive deeper into the projects. You have a really interesting project, the Bankan project, Gold Project in Guinea. Um, run us through the project, the discovery process, but also uh, you put out some interesting drill results just recently. So run us through those, please. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so. Discovery process, uh, we started off identifying this as a place in Guinea that we wanted to be, be in, uh, the ground became available. Because we have a very good network of contacts, we we became aware of it, uh, very early on the piece. We, we grabbed hold of it. Uh, we expanded that ground further uh, very rapidly thereafter. Um, and and uh, we came in there, we took a simple geochemical approach. Once we were on the ground, there's actually very little rock outcrop there. So in terms of targeting and, and no publicly available aeromagnetics. Um, so so we, we just used a geochemical approach. There were some workings. Uh, we did a, a soil survey over that area. We identified a couple of anomalies. Um, uh, we went in, we recognised that, that the laterite, that is the, the surface layer, uh, was complex, um, and this is actually very common in Guinea, and so we used a power auger drilling me method, which is vertical holes down to about 20 metres depth, to uh, to to look at the, the weathered uh, bedrock underneath, what's known as a saprolite, and we identified this anomaly, which was two to 300 metres wide, and the average of those holes within in those composites of one and a half grams. So we thought, wow, that, that could be something big. Um, uh, then we went in with an air core program, limited because we didn't have that much money. We were, you know, prior to all of this, we were a $3 million company, so we've come a long way. Um, and and uh, so we did we did this limited program, and most of the holes contained um, plus quarter gram intercepts. And so a plus quarter gram is the cutoff that we're applying. 
there are reasons for that which we can discuss separately. In fact, if you know we talk about Sagiri, then I can explain uh, the comparison between Sagiri and uh, the Bankham project. Um, so, and of course, of course, the market saw that, and um, well, I mean, we had the highest single day rise on any stock in any sector on the ASX for three years. So, so we really got um, an, an enormous uh, response out of that um, in the middle of April. It was the perfect timing, of course. Um, and then, and then we we determined, and, and one of the reasons why we sustained the share price is that we would get on the ground. We, as happened, we'd just raise some money, so we had some money to start some drilling. So we get on the ground, and we would we would push this as hard as we could. And obviously, with all this interest, we all did. We also did quite a large raising. So we raised nine million before costs. Um, and what that what that enabled us to do, of course, is to go hard. Um, and so, so we did a number of things. Um, the first thing we did was, and the easiest thing to do was to get the power auger in again. And progressively, we've used the power auger to define the surface footprint of this mineralisation and extended it from that 500 metre length to something which is looking like about 1.6 kilometres long at this point. So that's number one. Number two, uh, we then went in with an RC rig. Now, we didn't know what the orientation of the body is. We did the drilling to determine that. And that had two, two components. One was reverse circulation drilling. And, and we decided we'd do, we'd do a systematic program on the – we're actually just waiting for the results for the, for the northern three 400 metres um, on, on that 1.3-kilometre length. We didn't get quite to the northern end because that's a new – a new recognition, um, and and so define the size of the footprint um, uh, down to to the bottom of the oxide. So the oxide is sixty to seventy meters deep. So we drilled to about seventy five meters vertical. So we did a systematic program of RC, and then with the diamond drilling, what we did was to try and determine the shape of this thing. Um, get some idea on the controls of mineralization. We've now completed twenty holes. As you said, we've stopped. Um, and and uh, we're waiting for about half of those uh, results to come in. So so the so that's that's really what's brought us today. And and I think um, uh, so it's grown. Uh, with the power auger, we've also identified a couple of new prospects we didn't know about. Uh, of most interest to me, actually, is just a couple of holes a kilometre to the, to the southwest of of northeast Bankan, where we got some uh, strikingly good results compared to what we got up in northeast Bankan. So the best hole was right on the edge of our, our coverage, 16 metres of, of nearly four grams and, and high grade down the bottom and nothing at the top, completely blind discovery, no artisanal workings. 60 parts per billion in the laterite, so absolutely, essentially no gold. And and uh, um, and that could be another north-south zone, and of course that would be ex incredibly exciting. Um, and obviously we did some work down at Bankhand Creek, and there's another there's an another gold mineralized zone there. And then 12 kilometres to the southeast, we have the Sun and Southeast Prospect, brand new prospect. We got up to four grams in in composites in the um, artisanal workings there. So bringing us up, up to the most recent, which is last week, we put out the diamond drilling. We realised that we've been drilling this obliquely, but in fundamentally in the wrong direction. We've been drilling from um, east to west. And so we turned the rig around quite some time ago now, and the, and the results are just coming in on that. So we got three diamond drill holes drilled from west to east. They went right angles through the ore body and down in the fresh rock. And what we found was um, a cumulative width. Uh, I mean, the standout inset was 55 metres of 2.9 grams, but a cumulative width in both of those holes, true width of 80 to 85 metres. Um, and the grades, the, the, the cumulative grades, that is the length weighted average grades, were 2 grams on one section and uh, 1.6 on another. And we didn't complete uh, covering the, the whole envelope because the envelope is 190, 240 metres wide on these sections. So, so what we could see is 
that grade is probably improving a bit with depth. Um, and and that, of course, gives us the opportunity, uh, and certainly it's not getting any worse, and it gives us the opportunity to go a, a long way down, assuming, of course, it continues, and there's no reason for thinking it won't, because the continuity down dip, which and we've done a lot, lot of down dip drilling, so we know this, the continuity is very good. Our expectation is that this system will continue to depth for as far as we can mine it, and we think that we'll probably be able to mine it between 200, 250 metres vertical depth. Obviously, that gives enormous scope for finding a lot of tonnes. Interesting. It's a very, really interesting concept. And uh, I asked you beforehand, like, if, if there's an opportunity for you to drill even deeper, like you, you mentioned, you drill to 200, 250 meter vertical depth. Is like, are you targeting 400 meters, 500 meters, just to show uh, blue sky potential there without having to drill it out? That let that letter major do that, but uh, not to leave anything on the table in case a takeover offer is being made. Is that an idea you you, you got in mind? Something you want to test? Um, yeah. I mean. <clears throat> It's it's a stage wise approach. At this point, the deepest hole um, has has got to 188 meters at the bottom. So we've we've drilled this thing to to you know 140 meters in the middle of those holes, something like that, 120, 140 meters. So the first thing to do, of course, is to drill it deeper to, to confirm that it does extend to depth within open pitable range. Now there is a possibility here, and this is why um, your question is really germane. Um, there is a possibility that that on that on that western side, it does look as if uh, what we've got is is we've we've got a higher grade, and therefore it's possible that we've got something in the in the range of maybe two and a half uh, to three grams or, or two to three gram uh, material um, that's consistent and continuous um, over potentially over hundreds of meters. Now a body like that, because it's disseminated, because grade distribution is so good. Um, uh, and because it's relatively steeply dipping, it is is perfect for for you know long hole open stoping sub level block cave. So there's there's a, there is a possibility that you could take it much much deeper. Firstly, we'll test it within the range of an open pit because that's quite a long way down. And then and then and obviously that will give us more idea of the of the extent of the continuity of this zone. And then we would drill it deeper for that kind of tug. Of course, if there is a sub-level block cave opportunity here, and I'm not saying there is, but if there is, then then the tonnage and ounce potential on this thing just yes. doubles. Yeah, just explodes, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm personally not too familiar with the area itself. And I know Angela Goldashanti has a mine in the area. Uh, can you give us a couple of KPIs of that mine and sort of how it compares to what you what you are doing? <clears throat> okay, so it's a long-lived mine. Uh, it's been... Uh, it's been operating at a head grade of around a gram uh, for a long time, which is low grade. I mean, it started off as a heat bleach, but it's been it's had a, a large CRP plant. It's got a 12 million ton per annum plant there, half of which is devoted to oxide and half of which is to fresh rock. Um, and what what drives the econo uh, economics of that, and and um, you know should also drive the economics of what we've got, is that they had. Um, a broad zone of mineralization, geologically a bit different, but a broad zone of mineralization um, with deep weathering. And what that gives you and that, what that gives us here and what gives, gives, gave that to them there is that you get very good economics in the oxide. And the reason for that is that it's broad, it's soft. Um, so you have low, very low stripping ratio in the top part. The low stripping ratio at the top actually determines the stripping ratio below as well because you're, you're, a lot of what you're stripping is actually ore. Um, so, and then it's soft, which means that mining costs are low, and it's soft, which means the treatment costs are low because energy for comminution is low. So you get that perfect combination of economics and it drives it right at the very beginning. So <clears throat> in the last year, for example, the all-in sustaining cost in, in um, uh, 
2019 was between 1,100 and 1,200 US, obviously highly economic in the current environment. The recovered head grade was 0.75 grams a tonne. And even though they don't say what the mix of sulphide um, and oxide mineralisation was, it's reasonably clear that most of it was hard rock. So you've got those hard rock, hard, uh, more difficult economics, you're still sustaining 1150. And how is that possible? It's because mining costs is low, stripping costs is low, and because obviously you've paid off a lot of your capital with the oxide. And that's exactly the opportunity that we have here as well. Yeah. Okay, what I was trying to get at as well, like through the back doors, get a bit of uh, discrete guidance on your you know, uh, or expected uh, jorg resource that's uh, supposed to come out in in 2021 i was trying to get a better feel for it because you've been actually producing some higher grade results and now that i learned that uh, your your neighbor is only producing at a gram or actually a quarter of a three quarters of a gram i'm actually quite positive to hear that you might actually beat that so i was trying to get a feel for that and maybe give our audience and listeners a feel for what, what to expect in the area but you might be blowing that out of the water so i'm happy to get that personally um i mentioned timing on the resource estimate uh, i read that in one of the i think the powerpoint or in one of the presentations we're still on for mid 2021 absolutely um i mean obviously there's a lot of learning to happen uh it may be necessary to accelerate drilling um we're going you know we have been going at, i mean we've done a lot of drilling but we've been going relatively speaking quite a steady pace um once you get better clarity, and, and clarity is emerging, once you get better clarity about the shape and size of this thing, and also better clarity about what uh, the resource geologist requires, uh, well, then we, we may need to do uh, another phase of drilling, maybe in the first quarter next year. Uh, obviously, what we're aiming for is the biggest possible resource, uh, but we won't get a global resource here. It looks like there's just too much potential in the area to get to, get to the limit of it. Um, but Plainly, we'll, we want to get the biggest possible resource. Uh, it won't be um, it won't be all indicated, um, and so you know we'll we'll have to do more after that to convert it into it indicated, so we can start down the road of PEA and pre-feasibility study and so on. Um, uh, but in terms of obviously the actual number. Uh, too difficult to say. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. I was just trying to get a bit of a like backdoor guides, I call it. So see what the neighbors are doing and roughly let's see if we land in that ballpark, right? Um, we're already at way over our time limit, unfortunately, but I've got a couple more questions. I'm just going to let it run uh, for for a couple more minutes because um, one of them is like you're, you're you're stopping drilling. At what stage did you stop drilling? Did you put in the full program or did you stop mid program, um, waiting for results to come in to sort of recalibrate? Uh, well, we got most of the results done. Uh, we had to give the drill, drill rig back, so that's one of the reasons we stopped. We also needed a, a more high-powered rig. Um, so we've, we've, uh, we're a bit short right at the northern end, but we've got, we've got coverage on, on some holes, um, not quite as comprehensive as I'd hoped in the top 400 metres, uh, but apart from that, uh, we're pretty well there. I would have liked to have done a few more diamond drill holes, but I think we've got enough information to plan the next round of drilling. Okay, perfect. A um, couple, couple more questions I had. Like one is a more of a like a, a novice question. Is the Northeast Banken con connected with the Banken Creek? That's one of the ideas or questions I had going through your slide deck as well. Is like that that popped to mind, and maybe you can give us a couple ideas on that. Well, it would be perfectly wonderful if it did, but I don't think it will. Um, I think, in fact, what we can see now from the drilling that we've done is that we've got um, zones which are more or less north-south. So northeast Banking is plainly more or less north-south. It's shaping up that Bankan Creek is, is north-south. This thing in between, if it turns into something large, will almost certainly be north-south as well. So we're in a north-south mineralised corridor, and really uh, the, the exploration opportunity is to explore, to find these things within that corridor. And that corridor could go for 
um, tens of kilometres. Um, and, and so we'll use the power auger and we will do some magnetics when it dries out uh, to identify those structures and then, and then extend them to the north. So that's where the opportunity lies. I think um, that they're, they're within this north-south feature. So, and I might also add that Carusa, which is only 12 kilometres away, is directly to the north of Kiniero, the old semaphore mine, which is directly north of Mansunia, which is an exploration property. So this kind of north-south control is something that we can see in the distribution of mineralisation in the region. Okay, I hear you. Perfect. Um, one, we have one question on Twitter that I'd like to ask uh, before, we, before we end our conversation here, and it's uh, God Emperor GigaChat <laughs> asked the question, uh, what is Paul's or management's plan to keep dilution to a minimum going forward for retail shareholders? Right, so the, the, obviously it's always a balance. Um, uh, driving the project uh, forward requires money, and you have to raise money. Uh, you have to raise money to do that. Um, and if you don't, uh, well, then shareholders will have the uh, the other costs that the share price doesn't go up. Um, and we're in the business of increasing the share price. Um, obviously, uh, the more results you you uh, you get, uh, the more the more the the, um, the market recognises um, this opportunity, the more the share price goes up, then future capital raisings are less dilutive. So that's one thing. The other thing, of course, is to maintain focus. Um, and uh, and uh, so, so uh, we do have this joint venture strategy. We are looking at a disposal uh, in Burkina Faso. We're looking to, as much as possible, to be free carried uh, in Cote d'Ivoire. Um, we will be doing some some other work in in Guinea because you know we have the ground, we have the obligation, and also we are a successful greenfields explorer. And does the shareholder want us to stop doing all greenfields exploration? I, I don't believe so. But the bulk of our effort, the bulk of the money, will go into the, the asset that's actually increasing the value of the company, and uh, that's the best methodology that I can think of. Perfect. My last question is to ask you: is like, give us a rundown of the expected news for for the next three months, and then we'll wrap it up here. Okay, so um, results still to come out. You know, there's thousands of samples uh, in the laboratory. We'll be talking about them over the next four, four or six weeks, um, and then of course we'll be we'll be back. Firstly, we'll we'll get the um, power auger back as soon as it's dry enough for us to do that, um, and then solving news flow from that, looking for these new deposits, um, and then. And then, of course, uh, you know, we'll announce the start of drilling, and then we'll have continuous results flow coming out of that all the way through into January. So, um, fantastic! And, and Great. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Paul. Really appreciate it. Um, everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your questions. I was highly appreciate. This was an ASX special with Paul Roberts. He's the uh, managing director of Predictive Discovery. I really like the company name, Predictive Discovery. So um, it works well. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Instagram, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms as well. Appreciate your feedback, and uh, we'll talk again very soon. Paul, thanks for, so much for joining us. A pleasure. Thanks, Kai.